Hey, I want to welcome you to Timber Creek Church. My name is Jeremy. I'm the pastor here, and, and my wife already mentioned it, but I just want to say it again. Let's give our guests a great big welcome this morning. So glad you've joined us. You're in the right spot on Easter Sunday. Man, you could have slept in, you could have done all the deal, but you chose to get up. And like we say around here, you know, our competition isn't other churches. Our competition is like the mall and mowing the lawn and like sleeping in and ESPN. And, and we're glad that you've taken, made the decision to be here. Our kids are having a blast over in KidWorks. They're going to learn an incredible story of Jesus and forgiveness today and come home with some cool, fun stuff. And after service, we're going to do some things. But right now, we're all going to gather together and we're going to to do something very specific, okay? What I want you to do is in your seat back pocket, there is a card called the Connect Here card, but it's also a survey. Which every, everybody in the room, whether you're planning on filling it out or not, everybody take this and, 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 and bring it up. Just, just, just hold it right in your hand. Wave it in the air just like this. Once I see you, all right, you're not moving. Come on, don't get, the snipers are up there. They're watching. They're watching. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so y'all got it. Okay. We had, we, had, uh, we had a couple lights blow out last service. It was so intense here. It was so crazy off the chain. We blew out some breakers. So some of you are in the dark over there. Uh, that's all right. Squint real well. You'll, you'll, you'll be all right. But on one side, listen, if you're a guest at the end of the service, if you're comfortable, we would love for you to fill this card out and uh, drop it in the offering plate when it's passed. This could be your gift today unless God is, is, is uh, asking you to give something specific. This could be your gift if you're a guest. Um, fill that out. We just want to thank you properly for being a part of our service. But everybody in the room, whether it's your first time, you've been here for five minutes, or you've been here for 50 years, go to the backside, the 2017 Easter survey, and I want to walk us through two simple questions. We're going to do it right now. Grab a pen on your seat back pocket, and we're going to ask the first question. Just take your pen, and the first question is, I'd like to hear a message on what the Bible says about. Well, ain't that your job, preacher? Isn't that all you do is just kind of try and hear from God? Well, yeah, it is my job, but and when you look at the New Testament and the Gospels of Jesus, most of what Jesus said was in response to either a cultural issue, a situation happening in real time, or a question that was specifically asked. And although I love to share what's on my heart and what I feel like the church needs, I always love to get a pulse of what the church is asking about. And so take a moment, pick your top five, and if, if you pick more than six, we will rip your card up. No, I'm kidding. But, but, but pick, pick a few. Then at the, off, at the end, at the offering, just drop that in. And in September of this year, starting September 17th, I'm going to do a six-week series answering the hottest, uh, most asked uh, questions. And you don't even have to use what, we've used what we've given you as options. If there's some other things that you think, oh, I'd like to hear a message on that, then please fill in the blank there, and we'll make sure that uh, uh, we'll, we'll invite you back in September for what uh, that series. We call it You Asked For It. Uh, it's in September. The next one, how do you prefer to receive information from Timber Creek? I know that's a real simple message, but, like, we want to be good stewards, and are we, still, are we still needing to send people stuff in the mail? Can we send you a text four, out, four times a day? I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. You know, what do you want? Smoke signal, you name it. Uh, give us what is your best form of communication. If it's like none, don't talk to me. Give me the silence treatment. Well, then write that down, and we'll give you the silent treatment. That's okay. Uh, we don't want to bug anybody, but if you'd like to just receive little updates uh, periodically throughout the year, please tell us how that works. Now, now, here's what we're going to do. There's one last question, A, B, C, or D. We're going to answer that at the end of the worship experience, but here's what I'm going to ask you to take that survey, keep track of it, but now take your worship guide that's got the fill in the blanks on the back, and let's swap those out now, and let's, let's jump into this morning's Easter message. 
I love Easter because the whole church gets to get like the one Sunday. I know that some people, uh, maybe church isn't your weekly thing, but on Easter it's kind of like the thing you do. Or maybe Christmas, uh, you know, you, you're here for Christmas. Regardless, we're so thrilled to, to have you uh, at Timber Creek. And I, I love it because everybody shows up on that one weekend. That's why we have all our extra services. We just wouldn't be able to hold all the kids and all the people if we, if we just had our normal services on Sunday. So we're so glad that you're here. You're glad to be here. Some of you, you were dragged here by an aunt or a grandma or a mom or a spouse. I promise you, listen, I'm going to give you the best 30-minute nap in just a moment. So, so you'll get something out of Easter Sunday, okay? No, no, I hope you'll engage anyway and, and, uh, and find a nugget that you can take with you uh, on the journey uh, after this. Let's start with this thought. Take your blanks and, and let's, let's fill this in. The resurrection of Jesus provides the power to close the gap between the life you're living and the life you could live. That resurrection provides the power to close the gap between the life you're living and the life you could live. The resurrection is way more than an event. It is an invitation to a new life. It's an invitation, not a moment in, on, the, on the historical Christian calendar. And it's an invitation to move beyond the life we're living into a, li- a life designed by God for you and I to live. Heaven isn't the only reward that the resurrection provides. Heaven is the eternal reward, but really there is life you could be living. And i got to be honest with you, I don't think anybody, and if this is you, let's talk after service, but I don't think anybody wakes up, the alarm goes off, and they hit the feet on the ground, and they say, mediocrity. (sighs) Some of you feel stuck in the life you're living. Some of you are living a life you didn't choose because something has happened to you. Something in your surroundings has shifted. And the life you're living and compared to the life you should be or could be living, there's this gap. And when we've got that gap, we we can settle into the life and just live. And so many people live with the promises of God available at arm's length. And they never embrace them because they get used to the life they're just living. God's four promises for all of mankind all throughout scripture is this. Every person on the face of the planet, you'll never lock eyes with someone that that doesn't have access to these four promises. To know God personally. To find freedom from whatever's holding you back. To discover the purpose. You know, two most important days in your life, the day you were born and the day you discover why. And your purpose that God has put in you That's available for everybody. And then to look beyond yourself and make a difference with that purpose, those are the four core promises of God. To know him, find freedom through him, discover purpose that he's given you, and make a difference in life. That's the life we could be living. And some of you are engaging it. Some of you are stuck in a rut. Some of you are in between. Some of you are questioning. What what is all this like really about? And so what I want to do today is talk a little bit more about about that life we've been invited to. So, so that life we could live, look what it says in 1 Peter 2, verse 21. This is the kind of life you've been invited into. The kind of life Christ lived. What, a, a single life, boring life, sinless life? No, no, no. A life full of hope, a life full of meaning, a life full of vision, a life full of direction. And look what, what, what else it says. Jesus, or he, suffered everything. He suffered what? Everything that came his way so you would know that it could be done. 
And some of you have walked into the room today and you've been suffering. And you've had friends that say, I know what you're going through. And what you want to scream at them, grab them by the nap of the neck, say, you have no idea what I'm going through. Well, Jesus suffered everything. So the Savior of humanity, when you say, you don't know what I'm going through, he says, I do. I really, I really do. So you can know that it could be done, that you could get through what you're going through, and then also know how to do it. And here's what I love. Step by step. There is no golden button hidden somewhere. There is, there is, no, there, there is no secret sauce to this life. It is a step-by-step approach. And I really consider myself at Timber Creek more beyond a pastor. That I'm really like a tour guide. I'm trying to help guide people to a next step in their relationship with Jesus. From their fifth step to their 60th step, I'm more of a tour guide than even just a a shepherd. And I want to help you know the kind of life you could live. And Jesus shows you it can be done step by step. And he shows us all throughout the scripture. All these step-by-step approaches he shows people of seek first the kingdom of God and all the other things will be added to you all the way at the beginning of Genesis when the narrative, we read the narrative of creation and day one and God, uh, uh, day and night and day two and day three, day four, day five, day six. And on the seventh day, the, the, the Bible says that God what? Signed up for car insurance to save 15% or more. He rested, of course. Yeah, he, he rested. This God, it's not like he got through creation. He's like... <laughs> He got through creation, and he showed us step by step of how we should live. Later in the Bible, the New Testament, Jesus says, the Sabbath isn't for God. The Sabbath is for you. God didn't do the resting day to show you he needed rest. He showed you the resting day to show you how to live life step by step. And if you're going 24-7, you're going to break down at some point. God himself shows us step by step process of how to live. And you can see it all throughout Scripture, even, and we may not even thought about this, but even in the resurrection. Like he could have just showed up, but instead, step by step, he was born. He lived. He was about his father's business. He walked into ministry. He was baptized. He was empowered. He he, he went step by step through humanity. He experienced the ups of life, the temptations of life, the goods and the bad and the ugly. He suffered everything. He experienced life to show you that it can be done and show you how to do it step by step. And even in the resurrection, we see some step by steps. Because it wasn't just a moment, it was this, this weekend that shows you and I that we can get beyond one day and another day and experience Resurrection Day. For example, Friday. We see Friday in the, in the Gospels. After the Last Supper and after the Garden of Gethsemane, the early that morning, Friday morning, as he's arrested in the Garden, we see Friday and it's really... It's like the day of pain. It is pain day for Jesus. From the moment he's arrested, he's mocked, he's beaten, he is taken into the, the uh, 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 Roman locker room and bullied, punched in the face, blindfolded, his, ear, his, his, his beard plucked out. There, there's incredible pain that he suffers. And what we're talking about are the different types of pain. So when we see Jesus, we obviously know when we read the the story of the crucifixion and the story leading up to the cross, we know he's experienced physical pain. And so when you suffer physical pain, you, you can know he went through it. Out of all the time in history that Jesus could have come to earth, he chose a sliver of history where 
Public execution was at its most excruciating. In fact, the word excruciating comes from the same root words as crucifixion. He could have chosen the time of lethal injection. He could have chosen the time of just beheading. He, he, he came into a place where he suffered everything. And some of you are experiencing physical pain. Jesus knows what you're going through. But it doesn't stop there. We don't think of this sometimes, but Jesus experienced emotional pain. He's in the, he's in the garden and he's so stressed. Listen, he is, he is, he is carrying a, some heavy Weight on his shoulders to the point where physio- ph- physiologically, physically, his body, the emotions are stirring and he begins to sweat drops of blood. Emotions, he's stirred. He wants his friends to be with him. He said, like, couldn't you pray with me for an hour? He, he is, he's dealing with emotional pain. He had relational pain. He had relational pain. He, he knew what it was like to be single. He knew what it was like to be tempted on all counts and live a pure, sinless life. But he knew what it was like to have relational pain and emptiness. He, he, knew what it was, he knew that. You know what some people say? Yeah, he knew what it was like to be single, but he didn't know the pain of being married. Am I right? Uh, well, that's some pain right there, Pastor. Well, a- actually, he does know what it's like to be married. The Bible says he's the bridegroom and we're the bride. He knows what it's like to have a volatile relationship. He knows what it's like to have a spouse that's been unfaithful because we're the bride and we just, we've made some mistakes. And yet through that, he suffers and knows that we can make it through and he's going to show us how to do it step by step. He had a crazy family. Anybody got a crazy family? Raise of hands. Yeah. Hey, if you say, no, all my family's totally normal, you're the crazy one. <laughs> you're the one. You're the one they're talking about. You're like, my family never talks about anybody crazy in the family. It's because you're around, numbskull. When you leave, they're like, oh, there went Uncle Doug again. I'm kidding if you're Doug. Nobody's been talking about you. And he just had a crazy family. Even his own brothers and sisters, yes, he was the only one divine, but Mary and Joseph had other children. Even the, the book of James is written by the half-brother of, of Jesus. And there was a time where they were saying, we don't even know about this guy. Joseph was, you know, he's been in the cabinet shop. There's a lot of lacquer in there. He just doesn't know what's going on. He had a crazy family. He dealt with physical, emotional, relational pain. Why? So that when you're living a life that's stuck on Friday, when you're in the Fridays of life, he shows you that's not where you have to stay. If it may feel like it, you don't have to stay on Friday. Would you write it down? There is no pain. His purpose cannot redeem. I was having coffee with a friend just the other day. I put my hand on his arm just like this. And I said, hey, uh, your pain is going to help me not ever go through what you're going through. Even if it's to help me, and even if it's to help you, your pain can be a platform for someone else's help. Your pain can be redeemed. There can be purpose in the pain. Or you can live on Friday. It's your choice. You can, you can live, relive Friday like Groundhog Day every day and just live in pain. But that's the life you are living, and Jesus is saying... I've given you way more than Friday. If you're in your day of pain, there's hope. But then we come to Saturday. And I think that there are a lot more people in Saturday 
on this step-by-step approach to Resurrection Sunday. There's a whole lot of people on Saturday more than they are on Friday. A lot of people on Friday, they're in pain. But here's, here's a big one. And the disciples were in this day on Saturday. And it really is this. It's the day of confusion. It's like they've got the pain, and now they're, like, confused. They don't know why they've had the pain. They don't know where it's coming. They don't know why it happened to them. What in the world is going on? Is there even a God that cares? And they're so confused. We love to read the scripture like the disciples knew everything that was going on. No, 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 no. When Jesus is crucified and he goes into his day with the disciples, they go haywire. They go crazy. They run and they find a safe house and they lock all the locks of the door and they blow out the kerosene lamps and they draw the shutters and they close the drapes and they hang low and they don't even know what's going on. It's not like, it's not like one, of the, one of the disciples like, hey, everybody, Sundays are coming. Sundays are coming. Can I get a witness? No. Their Savior was dead. And they thought they were next. They thought they were next. That's why they were hiding. And when you're in a day of confusion, there's different, different things we do when, we, when we're confused. Oh, here's one. We want answers. Man, I mean, we're born with this. We love asking questions. Come on. Anybody ever taken more than a seven-minute road trip with your small kids? They want to know what's up. We can get out of the parking lot here and drive around the loop to a restaurant. And my son's like, can I play on your phone? When are we going to get there? What's going on? Why are we going there? Why can't we go there? What does it matter? He's going to get a corn dog and french fries no matter where we go. (laughs) Lord have mercy. Lay off the corn dog, son. That's what he loves. It's crazy. We'll go to a restaurant and they'll say, "Uh, this is what you, uh, corn dog? (laughs) Okay. But we want answers. Hey, you know what? You know what the biggest answer is? The biggest question? Why? Why did this happen to me? Why am I going through this? Why? And man, on the, even, even on the cr- cross, Jesus himself in the humanity says, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus knew what it's like to ask questions. And need answers. Why? When my daughter was a small child, she's almost 14 now. Can't believe it. Watch out, everybody. Stay off the sidewalks. She's taken her to a doctor's appointment. She can get some shots. And she is such a bubbly baby. Such a bubbly baby. And she shows up. She shows up with the, she's just laughing and gooing and, 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 and giggling. And you know how parents, like, your, your kid's the most beautiful thing in the world. And you're talking to the nurse, isn't she cute? Look what she does. And they're like, I've seen this a thousand times, but they're trying to smile. And I'm like, okay, shut up and let me get on with my business. And, and so she's sitting there on the edge of the deal, and I'm holding her. And, and the nurse, and she's like, the nurse takes out the, the little syringes and pop, pop, pop. And all of a sudden, her face looks up to me. What in God's name are you doing? How could you let this woman in this blue outfit touch me and poke me like this? And the tears begin to fall. I'm in the corner. <laughs> I'm sorry. She wanted to know why. She couldn't even say it. Why? And as her dad, I, I could understand why. I saw a lot bigger perspective than she 
could see. But when we're the child and we don't have the perspective of Almighty Father, we can get hurt and we, we ask why. Can I say it's okay? You're in good company. Jesus asked why. But don't, but don't stay just there. We also can progress and we begin to doubt. And we, we love to doubt more on an island than we do in community. And I just want to say to you, this is a church anyone can come to. And no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're dealing, you don't have to come with all your ducks in a row. This is a great place to come and investigate the claims of Christ and figure it out over time. Nobody's trying to, to, to sell you like some kind of spiritual heavenly timeshare in an hour. You got time. You can walk away. You can test drive. You can think about it. But if you're not careful, when we begin to doubt, we start stepping away. We, we, we get out of the light. We start thinking in the dark. And this is not the place to live. We need to step forward in the day of confusion and not try and do it alone. Some of, we, of us, we give up and we just, this is my life. This is my deck of cards. This is the hand I've been dealt. And really, we end up feeling like we are alone. But can I say to you, when you're alone, you're not. You're not. This is the power of the resurrection. You're not alone. You're not alone. Don't, don't, don't live in the day of confusion. There's way more for you. There's more for you. You know, in the book of Psalms, David wrote many of the Psalms, but there's one by the worship leader of David in the kingdom, in the courts. His name is Asaph. And Asaph is writing this scripture in Psalm 73. He's basically, he's basically asking the question that you and I ask sometimes. It is, why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? That's what Psalm 73 is really about. And he's struggling with what he's seen in life and the wickedness and the, the turmoil. and the, 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 It's like it doesn't make sense. If God is so loving, why is there pain in the world? It's because people. It's because people are people. And he suffered everything to know that no matter what people suffer, he went through it and he can provide a way out of it. But Asaph writes this in that Psalm 73. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. When I, understood, when I tried to get my own answers, it, it troubled me deeply. But here's his next line. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood. I want to promise you, confusion doesn't, doesn't get better in the dark. I'm inviting you to lean into God. When sometimes when we are confused, we walk away from God. When you're confused, the best thing to do is lean into God. Enter into the sanctuary of God. Closer to God as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Don't think that isolating yourself is the answer to confusion. You're only just going to experience more confusion. Lean in to him. There is no confusion. His presence cannot calm. Listen to the words of these songs.
Hope is never lost. Hope is never lost. Hold on, don't let go. Yeah, hold on, don't let go. Just take one step closer. Put one foot in front of the other. Follow the light in the darkness. You're gonna be okay. I know your heart is heavy from those nights. But just remember that you are a fighter, a fighter. You never know just what tomorrow holds. You're stronger than you know. You're stronger than you know. Hold on, don't let go. Oh, yeah, hold on, don't let go. Just take one step closer. Put one foot in front of the other. Follow the light in the darkness, one step closer, put one foot in front of the other, you'll get through it, just follow the light in the darkness, you're gonna be okay. say it around Timber Creek Church. I've said it several services. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. Just not okay to stay that way. And Jesus is inviting us into a life that breaks the vicious cycle of pain and confusion and just not being okay. He breaks that cycle. And he doesn't, if you're in the Fridays of life, he knows what Friday feels like. If you're in the Saturdays of life, the disciples know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. Jesus knows. But then Resurrection Sunday comes, the day of resurrection. And listen, this is not a phenomenon. This is a person. Resurrection Sunday isn't an event. It's an invitation. It's not a phenomenon. It's a person. Jesus himself, when he raises Lazarus from the dead, he comes jumping out like a wrapped up mummy. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Not just believe in a story, not just believe in a phenomenon, not just believe in a, in, in a book, 
But if we lean into Jesus, Jesus is the resurrection. And those that can put their trust in him, instead of clenching our fists, we open palms up and we let him be the guide of our lives. That's who will really live. Did you write it down? There is no life. His power cannot resurrect. And he'll show you how to do it step by step. Some of you are frustrated because you wanted to, you wanted Christianity to like fix it. But there is a step by step that he wants to guide you in. Lean in to him. Look at this. On the day of resurrection, it was late that Sunday evening, the day Jesus rose from the dead. And the disciples were gathered together behind locked doors because they were very confident and everything was going to be okay and, and, and fine. No, they were what? They were scared to death. They were flipping out. Where's my inhaler? They were afraid. And here's what I love. Then Jesus didn't lean over the wall of heaven and whisper to them. Jesus came and stood among them. Jesus is not at a distance kind of God. He wants to be with you and stand with you and be among us. And he says, peace be with you. You've got pain, you've got confusion, I want to bring you peace. And right after that, he showed them his hands and his side. In other words, I'm bringing you peace, peace be with you, and here's how I paid for it. He didn't pay the price for you to live the life of mediocrity. He paid the price for you to experience a life of peace and joy and hope. Not a, not a life of perfection, not a life of nothing ever going, you know, hitting the guardrail or flying off a, a, into a ditch every once in a while. Because we've been there. You've been there. I've been there. But here's what happens. The disciples were filled with joy at seeing the Lord. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I read stuff in scripture sometimes and I go, I wonder that what that would look like in 2017. Like you guys were saying happy Easter to everybody, and I'm out there shaking your hand. I'm like, hey, have a great week. <sighs> have a wonderful day. Let me pray for you. <sighs> That's why I carry Altoids with me when I'm at church, you know. I got a big old vast supply of Altoids, everybody. But here's what he's doing. It's not just this weird moment. Back in the garden, as Jesus was, as God was creating, he takes dust dirt and it's just dirt until he breathes on it and he creates life and ever since that moment he gave us the opportunity to try and live life getting clean by regulations and restrictions and law but when Jesus the resurrection power shows up on Resurrection Sunday, he shows the disciples that, yeah, I want to give you new life. And he brings new life to the disciples and makes it available for you and me. And Paul later says in Romans, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will breathe life, give life to your mortal bodies, to your days of pain, to your days of confusion, to your been trying to figure it out on your own and you finally come to the end of your rope and you realize, I can't do this on my own. 
and it's not going to be by biting a bottom lip or just reading a verse or just showing up to a church service. It's going to be by the same spirit living within you. And it's an invitation to all humanity. He won't force himself on you. But if you'll step towards him and get close to him, he'll breathe life into you. You can't earn it. You don't have to work for it. It's an invitation to know him and let his spirit step by step take you to live the life you were designed to live. So would you take that Easter survey with reverence, with quietness, take that survey back out for a moment. And all of us are one of these A, B, C's, or D's. We're all one of them. I'm one of them. You're one of them. And before you mark, before you mark anything, I want you just to hang on to the pen and look at your survey. And I want you to listen to these, then we'll mark our our cards, are you okay? A, you would mark it if you are already in a real relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about a person, not a philosophy, okay? I'm talking about the person of Jesus' relationship. A philosophy will never reach its arm out to you. A philosophy will never talk to you. A philosophy uh, will will, will never speak in your ear. A philosophy will will never give you the strength. A philosophy is inside a book and it's on a shelf somewhere. But the person of Jesus... He wants to be real with you. And maybe you're here and you already have a real relationship with Jesus. I know that's some of you. But maybe some of you are B and and it's like you want to begin. For the first time or the first time in a long time, you need to begin a real relationship with Jesus. Meaning that he is, is not just something you did as a kid, but he guides you. That you surrender to him, palms up. That his convictions, conduct, and character become part of what you're convictions, conduct, and character look like. And if you want to begin or begin again a real relationship with Jesus, you would circle B in just a moment. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I'd like to consider it a bit more first. We've really built this church with you definitely in mind. And and, and if you're considering it, I invite you, be my guest over the next few months, dip your toe in the water and see what God might say to you. Consider it. But, but, but don't step away and feel alone and doubt and get on an island and think that just, you know, a blog you read here and there or some kind of narrative show you watch on the History Channel is going to give you the kind of direction you need for life. Let me tell you, consider it. Consider it. But you know what? Maybe you're D, and this is kind of a, a harder one. But if you're here, you know what? Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. But maybe you say, hey, I don't ever intend on making that decision. That's just not me. That's just not me. I think you need... You need to take a moment and really decide if that is you or not. Is that you or not? And I just want you to know, whether you like it or not, we, we get D's every, every year, and I just say, hey, you know what? We just pray a prayer over you. We just pray over you. We, we want you to encounter Jesus. I can't twist your arm. Your grandma can't twist your arm. Your wife can't twist your arm. Your husband can't twist your arm. But, but at least just be honest. Okay, now take the survey. Fill it out. And then when you're done, I'm going to know you're done by just bowing your head and closing your eyes. I'll know you're done. Every person, I'm going to wait. I'm just looking around until every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Okay, let me pray over you. We're holding still and we're quiet. This is a very important moment. Father, thank you for those in the room that they've been reminded of their real relationship with you. I pray that you would strengthen them no matter what they're going through. God, for those in the room 
that they chose B and they needed to begin. In fact, if you're here, I want to pray with you right now. If you circled B, I'm going to guide you. I'm going to be a tour guide now. It's nothing you could ever do. It's nothing ever I could ever pray over you. It's simply believing with your heart and confessing with your mouth. And in your own words, you would simply say, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. You are the resurrection and the life. I believe you're the son of the living God. And I am making a choice today to follow you. Be the savior of my life, the center of my life. I'm not perfect. I don't even know where to go next. But I am surrendering to you as the Lord of my life. I surrender to you. I'm not going to be on the throne. You're on the throne. Help me. Thank you for not being mad at me, but loving me so much. You gave me this moment to make things right with you. And God, for those that are considering it, may you give them what they need to overcome their unbelief. For those that don't make, have, a, have a really right now any kind of leading to make that decision. Lord, uh, may you provide them what they need for tomorrow. May they know there's a church home that they can come to and even struggle with what they believe and still be okay to be here. Thank you, Lord, for resurrection power. In Jesus' name.